When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, Serie A fan. When it rains, it pours. But does it affect the scores? Juve Milan napkin into all pick-up points in adverse conditions. What's the Suelo hold Roma to a soggy draw in the capital? Meanwhile, Monza signed Balotelli, but step aside wagon for Christie. Football has a new favourite detective, Magnum Piailovic. All that and more in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to the pod. We are creeping ever closer to Christmas and to the eventual winter break. And as Bart said earlier, top four is starting to look somewhat familiar, although the order not so much. Milan staying five points clear, chased by Inter, then Napoli, then Juventus. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit more detail shortly. But first, let's crack open some civilised beers. I've kicked off the Christmas spirit of a Christmas beer, a Merry Christmas IPA, which turns out to be a red ale. Uh, Can's quite festive, but it's a bit bitter for, for my liking. Your face tells a completely different story, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a diplomatic review. It's not a festive face. If this beer company plans to sponsor us, it's great. But your face says something else. <laughs> I haven't even told you where it's from. It's, uh, it's, wow. It says on it, ho, 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 from Isalmi. I guess it's from Isalmi. Yeah. Uh, Baz, have you got a Christmas beer? I know you picked up some festive looking ones in your 10 last week. I have. I've kept my Christmas beers for later on in the month, but this can looks slightly festive and it was it kind of tickled my fancy it lo- it's a new england ipa collaboration pr- between Brewdog and cloudwater and uh, i'm sure it's going to be amazing can you understand you've uh, failed to source an original beer this evening yeah i've uh, i've i've done a boaz here i've i've got a beer that i've already had and i'm trying to i was going to try and pass it off as if it was uh, a new one as boaz said all these beers are kind of named from uh, someone looking through a thesaurus anyway but I'm back to the rock and roll, the rich, smoky porter from Wuha. I actually, I don't really drink many porters, but I quite enjoyed it last time. Um, so, yeah, see how I feel about it second time around. Good stuff. Maybe it'll grow on you. Um, maybe this IPA will grow on me by the end of the podcast as well. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the football. Um, Juve creeping into the top four with a 2-1 win over Torino. Although, Kenny, you were just telling me if the season were to end now, they'd actually finish third because obviously Serie A operates on the, the head-to-head rule. Um, and obviously there was that, that game against Napoli where they um, rewarded the default. Yeah, and um, it was actually in the Gazzetta uh, today or yesterday, I think it was, that uh, you, you, I mean, you guys mentioned that it was uh, a familiar look to it, but uh, this would be the first time since 2002-2003 um, that those three clubs had uh, been in the, top, in the top three. So maybe not that familiar. It's crazy to think about that it's been so long. Yeah. Anyway, in the actual game, it was a bit of a scare for Juve, uh, wasn't it? But came back from behind. Good result in the end, obviously, but they didn't look certain by any means. 
Definitely. And uh, the, just the fact that they needed the 90th minute goal from Bonucci says a lot because this is a game that Juve normally dominate. For me, there, isn't, there has not been much of an evolution in terms of play since Pirlo has taken over. And it always feels like it's, uh, in, it's two steps forward and two steps back. Besides a few sparse games that right at the start of the season, maybe Sampdoria comes to mind. I can't really think of a time when we, we figured, okay, this is, P- this is Pirlo's identity. This is how he wants his team to play. In this case, uh, Bonucci and McKinney came to the rescue, but that's not always going to be the case. And you mentioned uh, Bonucci coming to the rescue. He, he would agree with your analysis, I think, wouldn't he, Kenny? He had some, uh, some quite harsh words to say about how Juve had played. Yeah, it's quite, uh, it's quite a thing, really, to have uh, a senior member uh, of the, a very senior member of the, the playing staff uh, come out and, and say what he said. He, he basically came out and said he wasn't happy at all with um, these seesaw performances and seesaw results um said that when they came out at the beginning they weren't switched on at all they were losing every every challenge they were lo- losing every second ball there were misplaced passes uh, and basically saying that it wasn't acceptable uh, and that what they showed in the second half should be what they're basically showing uh from from the beginning that's what he expects he he didn't mince his words he was uh, very, very critical in particular of that first half performance. And I think the results kind of um, prove him right, because if you look at the, their last five games, they've not managed to get two wins in a row. Um, it's win, draw, win, draw, win, draw. And even in the games that they do win, you get the feeling that um, they're not really performing at the level that you expect of a team like Juventus. But then you have this uh, crazy stat that uh, Pirlo is the first manager since the three points were introduced in Italy to not to be unbeaten in his first 10 games. Yeah. So it's one of those things. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, I mean, Juventus are, despite all their uh, shortcomings, they're just five, they're just six points off the top. So it's very, it's a very close league. And I think they have too much quality in that side, not to kick on and start uh, putting in real performances. Yeah, I would actually say, I mean, you, you, you mentioned uh, a couple of other players coming to the rescue. Yeah, I think we have to talk about how how good Cuadrado has been. He's been the one shining star. He's been the possibly the best right back in, in Serie A, really. And um, yeah, he's been the one that's just been turning in performance after performance. Uh, even Cristiano Ronaldo on this occasion didn't shine particularly uh, so they need to get the performances that you would expect out of uh, the players that they have, uh, the, the players that they have available to them, really, because they should they should be neck and neck with Milan, really, with the amount they spend on their on their squad. And we should spend some words about uh, Torino as well, because um, they're having a really shocking time of it right now. If I read a stat this week that if matches lasted forty five minutes, Torino would be in second spot. As things stand, they're in eighteenth. You have to wonder what's going on there. Why is it? Is there a mental issue that they can't uh, bring games to uh, a victory? And also the fact that um, Cairo came out this week and said that he he's fully supporting Gianpaolo and that he's going to renew Belotti's contract for many many years. That sounds a little bit like a vote of confidence to me. Yeah, and another interesting one on Torino actually that I was reading was that the last time they were relegated. Uh, at this stage in the season, they actually had two more points than they currently do. So definitely worrying times for them. And I, I would say that if 
kind of taken over uh, from where Yakini's Fiorentina left off of uh, going in front and then just getting scared and uh, kind of bringing on their own demise, really. Yeah, um, and just last point on, on Juve, just before we move on, um, we're facing Barca in the Champions League this week. Bit of a dead rubber as far as the group goes. I mean, almost certainly both qualified, but it could be the last time that Messi faces Ronaldo. Obviously, there's no guarantee of that, but with both of them getting on, they're not playing in the same league. Possibly something to look out for. Um, and speaking of these two clubs, I think Boaz might have an update for us on the, the Suarez passport situation. I don't have an update per se. I just know that there's um, new evidence and that the director of the university where Suarez took, t- took his hypothetical test uh, has been um, suspended for eight months. As, as far as Juventus's involvement goes, apparently Paratici was in touch with the university to find out when the test could be taken and stuff like that. But uh, whether he knew that this was going to be a behind-the-back uh, deal, I'm not sure. And I guess we'll find out as time goes by. But anyways, it's this case that we kind of we mentioned a few weeks ago that it, it seemed to have disappeared has suddenly taken, caught a bit of steam. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't remember, this was when Juventus were looking to to sign Suarez, obviously have a quota for the number of players from outside of Italy or outside of the European Union they can sign. And it looked like they were they were trying to get Suarez a passport with uh, maybe a slightly dodgy language test. I think we mentioned at the time that Suarez is also eligible for a Spanish passport for which he does uh, qualify. So this that whole saga was a little bit of a weird one. I guess we'll keep we'll keep our listeners updated if and when new stuff comes out. Uh, right, let's talk about your your favorite topic, Buzz uh, Milan with another win. As we said in the intro, obviously still five points clear at the top. People have been asking questions around the squad depth of Milan, but they managed to get a win here without Kier, Benacer, or Zlatan. Positive sign. Uh, definitely a positive sign, and um, one of those victories where it it shows character. The the team didn't play too well uh Sampdoria threatened qu- quite often considering and uh I mean statistically the fact that Milan haven't lost in so long sooner or later this beautiful period will have to end so every game I'm preparing myself for th- for that inevitable moment but so far Milan truck on and with Chiar and Zlatan who are the team's elder statesmen missing you have an average age of 22 which is again it was already the lowest in in Europe and Obviously, that brings it down a fair bit. And you have to say that the, the players that are coming on, whether they're starting or whether they're coming off the bench, like uh, Haug did in this game, they're really making an impression. Their decision-making um, it was, has been really uh, splendid. And there's there's been some great goals, particularly the second goal from Milan. It's, it's worth watching because there's a lot of nice interplay. And uh, Castillejo manages to score with his first touch on the ball, which is always a nice thing. Other than that, I guess I have to open a parenthesis that Milan were given yet another penalty. Obviously, I'm a Milan fan, so I have absolutely no issue with that. But in my mind, none of the penalties that were given were particularly outrageous, with the exception of the penalty given against Roma, which was a bit of a joke. But uh, by the by the rules of the game, this particular penalty was a handball. And if you dislike the handball rule, that's a different story. But this this is the rule that we're playing with right now. As I said earlier, Sampdoria really threatened. There was uh, they had a clear header in the 94th minute, and uh, it could have gone their way. Sampdoria haven't won since the 24th of uh, of October, so 
they're also a team that are that on they play some decent football and Kandreva seems to be getting some great crosses in after being a little bit maligned at uh, Inter but uh as I said their their form isn't uh delivering yeah Kenny you, you mentioned uh, a few weeks ago um about Sampdoria and they've been on a, a bit of a bad run ever since then uh, do you agree with Bars they got a bit unlucky in this one uh, yeah, I mean, arguably Milan should have had the game out of sight, though. I think Ranieri said said as much as well afterwards, and uh, all credit to Ranieri for for changing it in the the second half. And but I mean, I would I would like just like to to mention the great evolution of uh, Frank Kessi, who's beginning to look like the player that uh, Milan thought they were getting when they signed him from. Atalanta. Um, he's. Uh, I think I spoke last week, or it might have been on the previous pod before that one, about the impact that Ibrahimovic and uh, Pioli, as well, we've got to say, um, have had on Leao and how his transformation is going. But Kessi as well. I mean, he's really. He's not just becoming uh, an integral part of the team, but he's be- he's becoming one of the leaders. I mean, he also isn't just about that sort of physicality, which is, I think, what. Um, a lot of us, uh, well, not a lot of us, but what a lot of people kind of see in him. But he's he's just really integral to to them, sort of uh, transitioning uh, into you know from from defense into into attack. Um, he's he's looking great. He scored the penalty as well, so that's that's one area they certainly won't be missing. <laughs> yeah. And we spoke about last week about the Milan penalties and what, and I mentioned that someone should just blast them and. Frank Kessie took his penalty in one of those ones where he watches the goalkeeper until the goalkeeper takes a dive and then places it on the other side, which is designed to give me a heart attack. <laughs> I think we should just close this uh, chat with about this game by saying that um, Milan conceded yet another goal off a set piece, this time off a corner. But something that I found kind of comical was that um, obviously the referees have a watch that tells them if the ball passed the line. But even though the ref had already assigned the goal, the Sampdoria players were still complaining that it was a goal, and he kept showing them. He was like, "This, it's on the watch. It's okay." You, you, you know, but it's but it crossed the line. But this is it's on the watch. But it's crossed. He didn't point to the center circle, did he? Like normally, he just pointed to his watch constantly, and, and they he, were he was really just com- holding his hand up in the air. <laughs> I could see why they were confused. Yeah, I know, but there, he he was like he was telling them face to face, "Hey, it's okay. I've given yeah. you the goal," and they were they were shouting, very angry. Yeah, it's quite a bizarre moment. I liked it. Anyway, we're sticking in Milan. Into in, there was a bit of bad weather in the area, actually, wasn't there? But I think some some of the games were called off. Neither of these. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, it's a good chance to give a dishonorable to something that's out of our control, like the weather. But <laughs> this week in particular, Serie A was uh, really badly hit. The Atalanta game was called off. Uh, the Napoli game was played in what looked like a lot of puddles. And also, I feel a few of the other games were in pretty shoddy conditions. So again, uh, what can you say? It's uh, out of our control. But and in a season where we can't really postpone games and we don't have the luxury, it's kind of uh, it's, it's problematic. I wouldn't think Gasperini would uh, necessarily think it's problematic coming just before the crucial Ajax game in the Champions League for for Atalanta. But um, but yes, I, I absolutely take the point. He's out there with the water cannons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it didn't affect Inter, who beat Bologna 3-1, and it was actually a very good performance. It was an impressive performance all round, and it felt like Inter were returning to the form that uh, they showed towards the end of last season when they reached the Europa League final. 
and also put a big uh, fight for the league. I think that the Conte has kind of given up temporarily, at least, on his vision of attacking football for something that's a little bit more defensively solid. And uh, in Hakimi, who's I was texting you guys during the game and saying, I'm not sure what position this guy is playing in because he kept <laughs> finding himself one-on-one with the keeper. And uh, he got two goals in the end, but he could have had another couple. They get, he gets to make these runs because of the formation, because Brozovic has dropped a little bit further back or whoever plays in that position in the game. And uh, it, it's a, I think it's a tactical masterstroke from Conte. So it's a feel-good story from Inter all round, or is it? Yeah, a bit of a strange one though, isn't it? Kind of, you say it's a tactical masterclass from uh, from Conte bars, but um, wasn't Conte complaining about Hakimi not yeah. being good enough going backwards? <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, he was saying, yeah, that yeah, a few weeks back that um, he needed to work on his uh, defensive uh, attributes um, when people were questioning why Hakimi had had all this money spent on him and wasn't in the. In the starting uh, 11, but then after this game, Conte said Hakimi has the all of the tools available to him. So long as he has this team and this manager, he can become one of the best in the world at his, uh, at his position. So tooting his own horn there, I think. Um, but to, to come back to something that Boaz alluded to... Um, the fact that they do seem to Conte does seem to have settled on a bank of three really in uh, in midfield. I think the experiment with the um, the one attacking player behind the two strikers is maybe finished, uh, and I think that that suits uh, that suits the the type of football that Conte wants to play. But I think that it spells it spells trouble for another topic, which I know is on our agenda, which is a certain yeah. Mister Ericsson. I mean, we've been debating for, I don't know, at least the last two, maybe three weeks whether we should talk about Ericsson. Conte's kind of uh, made it impossible for us to avoid really subbing him on with one minute to play. Uh, I mean, maybe there's an argument that he needs to put him in the shop window, remind people that he's there, but it, it just seems a bit disrespectful to me. Uh, I don't know what you made of that, Buzz. I think that it's, uh, it's really disrespectful and it's... Um... As it, it kind of puts a dampener on the whole game. As I said, Inter played phenomenally. They showed some great spirit. They finally uh, expressed Conte's vision of football. And then he brings on a player who cost a lot of money, who is earning a lot of money. He's not some kid from the Primavera. And he brings him on in the 91st minute after he'd, he'd brought him on in the past few games in the 87th minute, 86th minute. And this is just, for me, this is just posturing and... It, it's kind of pointless. It it bring puts a spotlight on something that's uh, completely off topic, and then Conte also is the one who gets annoyed when he's asked about this by the media. So he he's kind of setting himself up in for his in a trap. Yeah, I I think it's something that we've said before. This this Conte system doesn't suit Ericsson. He's found himself in the in completely the wrong team for his uh, for for all of his you know all of his best attributes really i i do i do feel like it's it's a bit insulting to to Ericsson the way he's brought on with minutes uh left to play i have read various suggestions that that there could be something contractual that is uh, the reason he's coming on but uh, I'm sure there's nothing in his contract that says that he can't be trusted to play for more than five minutes at a time. And it's interesting you say that because uh, Inter obviously are playing uh, Shakhtar in the midweek 
in what is a must-win game. And uh, with Vidal dropping out due to injury, you'd think that Ericsson might get a look in. But no, Gagliardini is going to play. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it looks very likely that he's going to be on the move in January. Uh, hearing some some interesting things, maybe he'll be back in the Premier League, perhaps a replacement for Mesut Ozil at Arsenal. Um, but perhaps most relevantly for this podcast, Baz, rumours that he could be uh, switching clubs in Milan. I mean, every few weeks there's rumours about uh, Hakan Kalyonoglu's uh, agent asking for 6 million euros, 5.5 million euros, 7 million euros. And also, there's constantly he the, this agent is constantly putting out rumors that Man United and Liverpool and Tottenham are all interested. And uh, but the latest rumor to come out of the Italian press is that there might be a straight swap between Milan and Inter for their uh, fantasisti. I'm not sure how much uh, truth there is to this story, and I'm not really sure if any, either team truly benefits from this swap. But I think all uh, Ericsson needs is a change of atmosphere. And uh, so I, I personally wish him all the best. I, I can't wait to see him play again. I think this whole situation has become a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, Kenny mentioned it when we were discussing off air, but it'd probably be difficult contractually given the wages that, that Ericsson's on. That said, to watch him feeding Zlatan would be uh, a prospect indeed. And of course, he'd be <laughs> with his great mate, uh, Kiar, who apparently he talks to every day on the phone. I definitely paid to see Ericsson with uh, feeding Zlatan. Any day of the week on the on the field or in the canteen, whichever. I just had, exactly. I just I just had a vision of Latin <laughs> in one of those massive children chairs and Eric's wearing a chef's hat. Before we get too ridiculous, I think we should also spend a few words for another uh, Premier League import, which is uh, Lukaku, who um, he's maybe not doesn't have the star power of a, of a Ronaldo or the pure arrogance of Zlatan, but I think his impact on Inter's play and generally his dis- destruction of every defense that's placed in front of him in the league, put, he's probably one of the most devastating players I've seen, and uh, Inter make fantastic use of him. His goal was, it kind of, he slices the first ball, and you're thinking, oh, this is, that, was the Eric, that was the Lukaku we saw at Man United, but he has the presence to quickly turn around and take another quick stab at it. And I think uh, this is a player who's playing with high confidence and he's he's been trusted by a club and he's finally, he has, uh, I think the nation as a whole really, really rates him. Yeah, I think he's one of the best strikers in Europe right now. Definitely. And uh, last point on these two teams, I think we have to mention Spygate really, don't we? Um, <laughs> so, uh, Buzz, do you want to do the honors of explaining this one to us? Uh, Basically, Mihailovic thinks he's got a rat in the camp. Apparently, there is a mole inside the Bologna team to the extent that uh, Mihailovic decided to um, test out a a new tactic in uh, one of his training sessions. And uh, the next day, this tactic showed up in the media. And and then he had his usual presser and he said, uh, Ha, I tricked you all. I'm never changing my tactics. I'm sticking to my ways. And I'm going to find this mole and I'm going to stick him to the wall. And um, it's it's kind of slightly funny, but uh, obviously it it's, it looks like it's slightly destabilizing the the team. And it's worth noting that um, Mihailovic, who actually previously beaten Inter at San Siro on two occasions, um, when he was asked about it after the game, he said that uh, he was circling in on the mall and he, knew, he thought he knew who he was. 
and the guy's <laughs> days were numbered. It said he has a response to the to the Wagatha Christie uh, thing that's happening. Yeah, either that or or Bielsa's Spygate. I personally, yeah. I I want to take bets on who the mole is now. I I really I I'd love to know what's going on. Maybe it's Hickey Kenny. Either way, he's, uh, leaking, he's leaking to the Daily Stars. Maybe the um, the tartan hat that he chose to wear to this fixture was uh, in some way related <laughs> to a disguise. <laughs> um, he's sending a signal. On that note, I think that's all we've got time for in part one. Uh, just time for a couple of quick honourable mentions. Kenny, you want to tell us about Monza? In fact, this is an honourable mention to Monza for following your advice from earlier in the season. I, I want to make clear that I I didn't want to give uh, I didn't want to give myself an honourable mention here. I think I think it was one of you guys who, who put it in here. But yes, I'm delighted to see Balotelli uh, going to going, going to Galliani and Berlusconi's Monza. I said earlier. I, actually, I, it wasn't earlier this season. It was the end of last season, and uh, when there was talk of him going to Como, that uh, with all due respect to them. Uh, I would find it very sad to see him playing in Serie C and that surely a club in Serie A or possibly one of the more ambitious clubs in Serie B could uh, snap him up. Uh, and I'm happy to see that that's, that's the way it's gone. Uh, certainly having uh, Balotelli and Kevin Prince Boateng in the same team in Serie B is uh, definitely going to be worth a watch. And uh, Monza need him. They're they're lying currently in ninth place and they just lost 3-0. So... Um... Clearly, they need goals. And it's worth noting that when Berlusconi took over Monza, he said that he w- he wanted all his players to have neat haircuts and no tattoos. And now he's gone off and he signed Kevin Prince Boateng and Balotelli. So it's, uh, it's a strange uh, change of pace, but I, I love it. Speaking of uh, strange changes of pace, Baz, you've got a, an honorable for us as well. Yeah, I'd like to give an uh, honorable mention to the Nazionale Italiana Feminile captain Sara Gama, who uh, is the Juventus centre-back. And she was recently um, elected as vice president of the Asa Cacciatori, which is kind of the the players' union in Italy. It, obviously, she's the first woman to get to be in the role, and it's a great step forward. And it shows that, um, in general, the whole uh, foot, women football movement is really advancing in Italy, and it's great to watch. It's great to see. Great, yeah, thanks for that update. Um, and Kenny, we, we've been giving quite a lot of dishonorables to shirts recently. Uh, for example, the, the Lazio away kit, which disgusted me again this week. But um, <laughs> we've got an honorable for Sampdoria for their kit. Yeah, yeah, an honorable to Sampdoria for their 120th anniversary uh, shirt. Um, it's. It, I'm slightly disappointed that it doesn't actually have uh, strings uh, to kind of tie it up around the neck, like the, there was an Aston Villa one, I think, in the in the late '90s. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's a very very classy kit, and yeah, it suits them. Good stuff. Thanks for that. Uh, that is all we've got time for in back in part one. We'll be back after this. Hello, Serie A fan. Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Welcome back. In part two, we will round up the rest of the weekend and talk about Italy's World Cup draw. But first, let's check in on the beers. Uh, Kenny, how's the rock and roll going down this time? Yeah, still, still good. 
Uh, I might start drinking more porters. It's uh, nice and smoky. I like it. I'm a fan. And Baz, you've been uh, raving during the break about the Brewdog Cloudwater beer. Possibly my new favorite beer. It's uh, Despite being a 6.8%er, it's going down really easy. Tastes great. Very hoppy. I'm a big fan. I recommend it. Good stuff. Yeah, the Merry Christmas IPA is growing on me a little bit. I mean, is it? it is. Well, I mean, I've nearly finished drinking it. Which How many stars out of five? It's going to get a star at least. <laughs> wow. Was it on zero stars before? Yeah, it was, it was touch and go for a second as whether it would actually get drunk, but it's very nearly finished. Mine would be a 3.5. Mine rock and roll. I'm giving this a five. This is a. <laughs> I thought you were going to say six. Oh, you can't. I wish I could, but that's, these are the rules. I don't make them. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Um, what's our first game? Oh, yeah, Napoli have won 4 0 again um, away to Crotone this time. But the result maybe flattered Napoli a bit, written here, Buzz. It's a risultato bugiardo, as they would say in Italy, a lying score. Essentially, Crotone were quite in the game until the sending off and uh I, I guess also helped by the fact that the weather conditions were pretty abysmal it's quite funny because the commentators in italy were constantly saying that the fact that uh napoli were playing petania who's uh, over 100 kilos was a big advantage in these conditions I, i'm not sure what they're thinking that he plants himself because he weighs more <laughs> or, but anyways he did get a goal in the end so i guess there was some truth to that but Napoli struggled a little bit and Crotone had quite a few chances. But um, once uh, Insigne unblocked the game with his magic wand, it was pretty much uh, over. And uh, it's back-to-back 4-0 victories, which uh, you have to say uh, is always impressive. When Napoli are on, they're really on. Insigne is definitely on as well now, isn't he? Form of his life. Insigne is kind of becoming like Robin, where you know what he's going to do and everyone knows what he's going to do. The defender is the goalkeeper, the opposing manager, and yet he does it every game over and over. Scores, sets up goals with it, just cr- cuts in on his foot and curls it in. And um, as it's unstoppable. He, he was doing it for Italy in the, mid, in the last international break as well. And um, we, I think we've already mentioned this, but he's a player who's truly matured under Gattuso and uh, who's showing uh, great leadership qualities. Uh, there was a time not so long ago where he was uh, maybe on his way out or definitely very contested by the Napoli fan base, but I think you'd, it, would be, you'd be hard. it would be hard to find someone who uh, dislikes him at the moment, and rightfully so. Yeah, and 70 goals for Napoli now, which makes him the 10th full-time scorer for the club, one behind uh, podcast favorite Higuain and uh, also Altafini. But some interesting comments, as you say, the whole team's playing very well and um, exemplified by the Gattuso comments. He, he said, what, if he was in the Napoli team, he would have spent, in this Napoli team, he would have spent most of his time on the bench. Yeah, I, I, I'm i such a fan of Gattuso. Uh, he seems like he's just such a gent, really. I mean... I, I'm sorry to interject here, but I, I do have to say that Gattuso underestimates himself here because... I, that's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. In that glorious Milan side, without a Gattuso player, um, the various Kaká, Pirlo, Shevchenko, they, they would have never been able to get what they did. And I think Kenny and I used to have a discussion whether we would prefer to have 11 Kakas or 11 Gattusos on the, on the field. I'm not sure which side I was on this argument, but I, I think like it's, it's a good argument to have. Um, 
as I said, Gattuso is slightly uh, downplaying his importance, both in, in the technical sense, but also from a leadership perspective to that team. I think I'd want to see them both playing goal before I make. Kaká's a little bit taller, so maybe he would he'd be. <laughs> but you never know. Yeah, no. So Gattuso said basically that what he asks of these players, uh, he could never do himself, and he said that he would. Uh, they're saying in in, in Italian. Um, doesn't translate so well into English, but basically, uh, yeah, he'd spend a lot of time on the bench. And uh, I mean, it, it, they are, like Boaz said, basically, when when they're on, they absolutely are on. And you also have to say that the the moves that the, uh, Gattuso has made, I think he, he basically told the club to keep hold of Lozano, that he was going to get the best out of him. Uh, and he appears to have been true to his word. Bakayoko in uh, in midfield is hugely important to them. They've got a real identity. They've got quality all over the all over the pitch, and they've got a superstar like Insigne. Um, so yeah, just a gent though. Gattuso, the, the way he his humility basically, and like Boaz said, I think he sells himself short. Um, I think he has a tendency to blame himself for things that aren't his necessarily his uh, faults and uh, give credit elsewhere when perhaps he should be giving himself a bit more credit. And perhaps that's a kind of a tactic the same way uh, Mourinho deflects um, all the attention on himself. Maybe Gattuso is this is a way to kind of uh, get the attention off his team. But something that should be mentioned is that uh, Napoli have had these back-to-back 4-0 wins without arguably their gem up front, which is Ossiman, who got injured in a international game a few weeks ago, and he, he injured his uh, shoulder, and there's kind of a little bit of a backwards and forwards for, with uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis, because um, apparently the treatment that the player received just after the injury wasn't up to scratch. It's another one of those things where we, we'll have to keep an eye on it, because the player is supposed to be, was supposed to be fit already, but... Um, Clearly, he's not quite there yet. I thought this was one where Ossiman actually said on Twitter, this was reported by Tutto Sport or, some, or someone, and I think Ossiman actually shared the article saying, except it's not true. Well, all I know is that uh, I, I saw some quotes attributed to De Laurentiis, where De Laurentiis is a firecracker as well, so I'm, I'm, yeah. he, he doesn't mind, and he was, he was going off on... I actually, I've heard these quotes, so I, I should say I've, I know these quotes actually happened, but he was going off on the international breaks and saying that he lost Aussie men and that he, they were, he was badly treated. Now, I guess that's open to interpretation, but still, it's, a, it's an ongoing situation. Yeah, either way, honourable mention. Um, I think we've given actually an honourable mention to this before, but to Ossiman's uh, social media presence, it definitely seems like he's running that account himself. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> any any other points on this game, or should we move on to the uh, Roma game? Um, so a bit of a strange performance again for Roma. Um, so a, another one weather bird this one because it had obviously been been raining heavily wasn't quite as flooded as uh, some of the other pitches that we've seen in recent weeks but uh, definitely a definitely a wet one and um just a, a poor well j- just a strange game i mean uh, pedro getting sent off for a second yellow in the first half uh, but what did you make of that decision and, and the sort of refereeing overall 
So I, I think when we were looking at the calendar before the weekend, I thought this game st stood out more than any other game of the week, with perhaps the exception of the derby for sentimental reasons. But both Roma and Sassuolo are play teams that are expected to play decent football and uh, both had a couple of uh, bad results recently, but overall have been doing well this season. The game we got, actually the result doesn't really reflect the gameplay and there were two goals disallowed as well. So arguably nil-nil is a little bit harsh. It's, in, it's impossible not to uh, take into consideration the Pedro sen sending off that you mentioned. Um, which probably affected Roma, who were slightly in the ascendancy before that. Slightly silly. Uh, you you said it best. Uh, there was really no reason to make the second challenge. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's another game where uh, you look at how Roma played, and, and you mentioned they were slightly in the ascendancy. It's attempting to say that they were a bit unlucky. Uh, but really, like Pedro shouldn't be going into a challenge like that when he's already on a booking. Um, and then Fonseca berating the referee at half time and getting himself sent off as well yeah. I just think it really could have been better managed from uh, from Roma as a club I always find it ridiculous when managers get sent off anyways because it's not like you're going to change the decision it's posturing and again to leave the team for a whole 45 minutes without manager is slightly um, silly uh, he had his reasons and he, he seemed to think that the particularly the first booking for Pedro was not a booking but having seen the incident, I'm not sure what he's on about. Having said that, the refereeing performance as a whole was a little bit contentious. And uh, while these the big occasions like the sending off, but also uh, the two disallowed goals were probably correct in the end, the overall running of the game was uh, very, very uh, problematic. And what it meant it, it was that both teams got really fired up and the, the result was a, a very poor game. Uh, it was a bit of an angry, an angry game from two clubs that you wouldn't normally associate with being angry, uh, angry teams. Really, bit of an odd one. Like Bart said, I think we we all expected something totally different from this game. I think that is the influence of the referee that kind of didn't protect the star players, thus creating a, a situation where players were kind of uh, leaving their foot in, being a little bit rougher on the high balls. It ruined this, what could have been a very good spectacle. Although the two disallowed goals were great goals. So for fans of the genre of goals yeah. that never were, you, you can <laughs> add those two to the list. Yeah, they were lovely. And uh, Sassuolo and Roma sitting obviously in fifth and sixth after that. Um, but let's move on to uh, a game that had a few more goals. Uh, Verona won, Cagliari won. Um, but Verona hit the bar twice, Bars. Yeah, Verona hit the woodwork on... 11 occasions this season, including twice in the same move in this game. Uh, a move that ended with the ball in the back of the net, but the, but the player who scored it was offside. So um, calamitous all around. Uh, they did manage to score in the game. By all statistics, they really should have won that game. They, they had uh, a few great opportunities, but Cagliari kind of came back and managed to score. Not much else to say about this game besides the fact that Cagliari have a severely covid hit team and uh and a little bit of an injury crisis so it's slightly understandable that they're not putting in the most amazing performances although as i keep saying i'm not entirely convinced by Eusebio di francesco and uh finally this just in that fiorentina uh, under frandelli have saved a point in the 99th minute a 1-1 draw with genoa 
Um, oh, good enough. Haven't ha- haven't really had time to to digest that one, uh, but maybe we'll discuss Fiorentina more in in the coming weeks. Uh, just before we wrap up, let's uh, briefly go over the World Cup draw. Um, so, so this is for the World Cup qualifying group. Italy have drawn Switzerland, Bulgaria, Lithuania, and Northern Ireland. I think they should be fairly confident with that with that group. Switzerland's maybe a bit of a tough game. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would say on the whole, uh, Italy should be should be on the form that they've displayed under Mancini. Uh, they should be coming through that group quite comfortably. Switzerland definitely the the biggest challenge, though a definite potential banana skin there. They they've been in the last sixteen of the last three major tournaments. So uh, yeah, not not an easy game by any stretch. But other than that. I mean, yeah, Italy should be expecting to to win that group relatively comfortably. I think we said that about all the Italian teams in uh, the Champions League, though, as well. Not that they would be winning, but they should be coming through the groups quite comfortably. And uh, that's well, with, not necessarily with the exception that, of yeah. Inter um, and Atalanta. Hopefully, Atalanta will get the job done. Atalanta still in the running, aren't they? Well, Inter actually bizarrely uh, are still in running as well after results last week. But I mean, getting back to Italy, uh, yes, I agree with you, Oscar. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, right, I think that's all we've got time for. Um, we can just round up a bit of the rest of the action in our honourable and dishonourable mentions. Uh, Kenny, you want to kick us off with a, a dishonourable for an outrageous dive? Yeah, this is for in that game, the the infamous game that we, we just spoke about, uh, Roma Sassuolo, Maxime Lopez's outrageous uh, dive uh, for which... He was booked, but it's often said that players go down as if they, they look like they were shot. He absolutely looked like he was shot. <laughs> he looked like he was a sniper. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, rightly booked for that. And, Phenomenal. Uh, and yeah, it was quite uh, dramatic. I'll give an, an honourable for a game we've already spoken about as well. Uh, Zielinski's nutmeg uh, leading up to Napoli's first goal. Absolutely lovely stuff and uh, good to see him back to full fitness. I think he, he missed a couple of games for COVID and then then one while he was still recovering. Hasn't maybe quite looked the same since, but back to his best at the weekend. Um, He's a lovely You want to <laughs> give a, an honourable for a game we didn't get to, Benevento Palmer? Yeah, I have to give a big shout out to whomever does the editing for the various TV shows and also the Serie A YouTube channel for this game because I'm not sure how they found four minutes of footage to show. There were two shots on target in the whole 90 minutes, and these shots on target were from miles out anyways. Generally, very poor, and um, you have to expect a little bit better from both teams who are usually on the attacking front. And another one that we didn't get to, uh, Lazio won 2-1 away at Spezia, and uh, an honorable from that game was uh, Zola's goal. Generally, it was a despite the rain, it was a very entertaining game, and there was a nice free kick. I was going to say a lovely free kick from uh, SMS, Sergei Milinkovic Savic, but Kenny seems to think that the goalkeeper is to blame. And so I downgraded from a wonderful goal to a good goal. Um, and also, Immobile yet again scored a nice one on one. But uh, despite losing, the goal of the game comes from Inzola for Spezia, who cuts in and curls a great ball in. Really worth checking out this goal. It's a lovely shot. I'm wrapping it up with a a nice uh, 
blanket dishonorable mention for the city of Florence, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it kind of wraps up the, this whole podcast nicely because again, due to the weather, the conditions in Florence were particularly bad, and uh, footage was going around social media showing that uh, the Artemio Franchi was literally leaking through huge cracks in the stadium that there's kind of plants growing in it it's it's a stadium in this repair and um we often kind of joked about comiso and we've had a a, la- a slight laugh at his expense in the past but in his credit he they've come out and they've said we're willing to put money into a new stadium we're wanting to invest we want to have a new uh, facilities and um they've just been met with bureaucracy and and uh red tape and it, it's just a shame to see one of the classic stadiums in Serie A fall to such a low level. Yeah, well, I think like Rocco Comiso said, I mentioned this on one of our podcasts. I'm not sure if it was uh, in one of the pilot episodes, but um, yeah, it's been around uh, Serie A for, for a long time, obviously. But like he said, it's it's not the Colosseum. Let him redevelop it. Particularly as he's willing to put the money in himself. And on that note, Let me just urge you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your audio. We will speak to you next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.